Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to Be The Change, a podcast of conversations with true visionaries who are creating new paradigms for a healthier planet and society. I am your host, Christine Demick, and my work is in finding real solutions to the biggest problems we face today, climate crisis, capitalism, social injustices, and our failing health. There are amazing humans out there that have answers, and it is my mission to have their voices heard. Together, we can raise consciousness and create a just and equal society. Together, we can be the change. You are listening to ancient Tibetan singing bowls. Their history and origins date back centuries, and my next guest speaks their liquid language of sound. Catherine Hamer is a beloved sound and vibrational healing teacher and practitioner who has brought the magic of the bowls to the UN, Fortune 500 CEOs, and renowned spas such as Canyon Ranch, as well as hospitals like Wheel Cornell Medicine. Known as the healer's healer, she was instrumental in my own recovery from cancer. Today, she shares her vast knowledge on the bowls and bridges the esoteric and the science of sound. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks, Christine. Glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. I know you don't often sit down and talk and do interviews, so I'm grateful you came on. (laughs) Yeah, you finally, like Maria from The Sound of Music, you finally pinned me down. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> After years. Please, please, please. Well, you know, I'll tell you the reason. It, well, first of all, everyone needs to know you. But second of all, it's so important. Your work has been so instrumental in my own healing, my own process. I'm now a student of yours. I'm just grateful to have you on to share with us today all the knowledge that you have and how people can bring this into their own lives. Right? That's fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So, You have an impressive knowledge of so many healing modalities. I just mentioned, Melissa, let's go through it, right? I was like, I didn't even know this. You know, of course, spiritualism, mysticism, meditation, neuro-linguistic programming, right? All that, right? And I also know you were a social worker. Is that right? No, not a social worker. I have a a background in psychoanalytic training, but not a social worker. I was never an MSW or anything like that. But all of these practices weave itself into my work with the bowls. You know, there's a bit of psychology, there's a bit of NLP, there's a bit of mysticism, there's a bit of knowing about the works of the masters, and it all just accumulates together into this beautiful tapestry of working with sound, which of course is a liquid language in and of itself. So you don't really need to talk about all of this, but you know, when you have someone emoting in front of you, or it's good to have these tools in your chest. So tell me, when did the the bowls come to you? Well, this is uh, quite a few years ago. My husband, he wasn't my husband then, my boyfriend at the time, (laughs) I was working on a solar plexus issue and like a really good computer guy, he, Mr. Googles or Mrs. Googles solar plexus. And if you do that, do that. I ask your listeners, 
Google solar plexus and see what comes up, right? But for him, a singing bowl, the, the first thing that popped up on the screen was a singing bowl. Wow. And it doesn't normally do that. I'll cut to the chase there. That is a spoiler, right? And so he, of course, a singing bowl pops up. So he's not familiar with chakras or what a solar plexus is. So he's like, of course, a singing bowl. So he takes me down to the village into this beautiful shop. It's I highly recommend it. It's called Land of Buddha. And the proprietor there is a man named Dawa Sherpa. And he supports an orphanage, wonderful store. And I spent about about an hour, you know, for my birthday, just looking around the store. Didn't really see anything. I said, you know, sweetheart, let's just go. Let's go to dinner. I really don't need another thing. And he goes over to this like little corner and he holds up a singing bowl. And I nearly passed out. Wow. And it wasn't even played. Just the sight of it was this, I was just awash with this remembrance that's the only way I can describe it. And so I spent another hour in the store after that, listening to every singing bowl. Some of them I had visceral reactions to. I had to leave the store because I felt so sick. I came back in. Some of them I could feel in my heart. Some of them I could feel in, I mean, all over my body. And I literally quit my job that week and gathered bowls. And I just have to learn more about this. And I sought out a teacher. And that's... That's incredible. So you quit your job that week? I quit my job that week and I didn't look back. What were Um, you doing at the time? Can I ask you? (laughs) I was doing tax expensing for clients in the music industry. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you just, that was it? I just, I I felt like I found... Did you know how to play them? Did that come into... No. I come from a musical family. My father is a steel guitar musician. My brother played the drums. He was a singer pretty much everyone in my family had a musical background, except for me. It was funny. You know, I just, I could play notes, but I really could never make music. Uh, I was more artistically inclined growing up. So I, I just never really had a propensity for music, a real interest. And so, you know, it's funny working for an accounting firm that, you know, dealt with musicians was quite ironic. And then going into singing bowl work, if you would have asked me, you know, 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So not to give away anything, but I mean, how many years have you been doing this? What, how many years ago was that? Oh, probably about 15 years ago. 15 say. years ago. 15 so, years ago. But, you know, now I think sound is, you know, the sound baths have become trendy and you can see them, in, you know, new age things or like, you know, even corporations have it. Right. But then it definitely wasn't. It was off the radar. Oh, no. Right. No, it was like, sort of like today, you know, if you're an epidemiologist or a virologist, you don't have to explain now what you do. (laughs) (laughs) When I would say I work with Tibetan singing bowls, you would just see blank faces. I mean, it was at a time when it was not in the the common knowledge or, you know, the common consciousness, what I did. How did you find your teacher? First, I wrote to this gentleman who's very well known in England. I didn't hear a response. And then I worked with this Another wonderful bowl practitioner, uh, Shakti Gray. And, you know, I met her at the Ruby Museum many years ago and I asked her. And so she directed me to my singing bowl teacher that I had a little sojourn with a different teacher. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you categorize a teacher ever as good, bad, whatever. Mm -hmm. You never throw the baby out with the bathwater. You always learn. 
if you have the worst spiritual teacher in the world, and you know that by definition is different for everyone, you will learn something. You will learn something about yourself. You'll learn something about them and why you were attracted to them in the first place. It's always a growth. So I still have everything, everything that every teacher has ever shared with me. And it's really important to incorporate that again into your tapestry of how you present this to clients or whatever you do in life. Really important. So I learned a lot from a lot of different teachers along my travels. So did the studying with the other master teachers, did that come after the bowls or before? No, I did work way before the bowls. Way before the bowls. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just everything led up to it. It was accumulation. So it just was a natural progression sort of in the path that I was taking. Because what I find interesting is that, so that makes sense. You were doing basically accounting work and then you walk into something as a, you know, which it's healing. I mean, they're two very different things, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, sort of polar opposite. Well, I took care of people in that, you know, when you do tax expensing, you're looking in someone's underwear drawer, you know, all their secrets. So there was a responsibility. And that of course also led that piece of having this very personal experience through this paperwork kind of route, you really become a good secret keeper for folks. You know, they can really trust you that you're not going to display. Because when you have a bowl on somebody, there are no secrets. I can hear and I can feel what's going on. There are no secrets, but they stay with me. And it was really good training. You know, I could have made a fortune through People Magazine if I was so inclined to ever do that, but I would never do that. So... Okay. You walked into the room and as you said, you know, bowls were brought out and some of them even made you nauseous and the power of them. Mm -hmm. And these are moments that I would say that happen, you know, if you're aware of them, but Mm -hmm. most people don't walk into something and then it, it literally knocks them out. Like they can, if you're open to it. Do you know what I mean? I would call it like an awakening. I mean, it was a calling. It was literally that this is what you were meant to be. This is what you were meant to do, right? Right. And so the trust that you had, explain to me that because that was- Well, sometimes, you know, I I had had spiritual work done before, you know, I'd been on a spiritual path. So I wasn't sort of like just coming from a background where I wasn't aware that these things were possible. So, you know, I was already open to the possibility, but- for me anyway, I can only speak about my experience. I can't speak about anyone else's. You know, there's points where I was cracked, they call cracked open, you know, or whatever language that you find yourself using. You know, I was primed and prepped a a bit. So for me, it wasn't a hard transition to move my life in that sense. It was a flow that it was just going into towards, you know, moving forward. I always think about it in terms of the way I changed my life so quickly, you know, there was a direction that my life was going. Because I ever heard the story of the woman who wrote The Rose, you know, the song The Rose. What's her name? The singer for The Rose. Do you remember? What's that? No, no, no. Not Did the singer. She who, she no, sang. no, she didn't write it. She sang it, but who wrote it? I forget the woman's name, right? If you go on her website, right? Okay. And she was, the, it's sort of akin to this. It's a great story. She was driving down the road. She was going to run an errand or she was going to some appointment or something like that. The story's on her website. All the lyrics for The Rose came pouring into her as she was driving, right? 
And she had to turn the car around. You know, she's on a path. She was going somewhere. I don't know if she was going to get groceries or going to meet her agent or whatever. She turned the car around and she raced home and went right to the piano and just put down all the lyrics within five or 10 minutes to the yeah. rose. This gorgeous song, right? Yeah. Now, you know, think about it. If What if she decided to, oh, you know, right? You know, it's just something coming through. I'm going to go and go get my... Yo play or yeah. <laughs> my later. Red Bull or whatever. You know what I mean? I got to go to Starbucks and get my latte, right? So, you know, there's a recognition of when spirit is kind of moving through you or when life is just presenting itself right there. You know, there's not a choice. It wasn't really a choice. You know, I can't no. describe it as that. You're just moving with it. You know, you and I have worked together and I never ever felt called to the bulls, you know? I mean, not that I didn't want to, but I didn't like, I felt awkward. I didn't feel comfortable. It just didn't feel like it was for me. And then as my mom was passing and they brought so much comfort to her and you had given me one before and, you know, again, I would play them and it took me so long to even to get a sound out. And, oh, my mom loved them. She loved them. She adored you. And it's just so funny to me because after that, it was absolutely, you know, it just came to me. It was a calling then. It was like, I'm meant to play these and I'm meant to bring these. And these are absolutely a tool that I need in my work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you just don't know until you know. Yeah. You know, it's just like anything that when it resonates with you, you know, and that's one of my, your mom is just such a, what a blessing. And it's my favorite work, my favorite work. You know, I love all my work. You know, I love my people and I love teaching and I love sharing the bowls, but I really especially love being in a room when someone's passing and sending them along with the sound of the bowls on a wave of sound. I mean, it's the most humbling, graceful work. Yeah, it really is. It's a flow of just selflessness, you know? I mean, Jesus talked yeah. about that all the time, selflessness, the selfless service, you know, Gandhi and so on and so forth. I mean, it's it's just a flow. Um, the Tibetans believe there's four more stages after you've taken your last breath. Yeah. And there's more work to do. <laughs> to right. your last breath. So don't think it's a vacation, people. <laughs> yeah. It really is a grace if you're able to do that. And there are you know, there's trainings that you can do to be with people and to help them pass peacefully like that. So, you know, the Tibetans have this belief that you could go into the realm of the hungry ghosts and there's trainings in Manhattan, at least I know that, you know, you become an aid where you help people pass like that. And yeah. I just do it with the bowls. You know, I don't say anything. I, I do it with the bowls. Like I said before, that's it's a liquid language that's irreplaceable. You don't have to say a word. You really don't. And tell me about, so you have such an impressive knowledge of so many healing modalities. Are you Reiki master as well? Yes, I, I am trained in a Reiki. Okay. Um, I hate like the word master. Yeah. So you, yeah. you know Reiki, right? You know, you, what has you choosing the bowls over any other form of healing practices? Well, that, it's, you, it's you, not yeah. really, yeah, it's not really choosing the bowls over anything. It's just, it's all incorporated. It's, it's not one over the other. I mean, I, I like the bowls as my primary expression, mm-hmm. right? Rather than talk therapy or energy healing or NLP, you know, going through timelines and so on and so forth. I just like the bowls because they work across all, whether you believe or not. I remember there was this spiritual center that I used to 
frequent who, and again, I love my spiritual teachers. They've helped me tremendously. And there was always a sign at the meditation hall and it said, you know, life is full of choices. Remove your shoes or scrub the floor, right? (laughs) And there was another sign that says things are true whether you believe them or not, right? So in my journey, I've come across, you know, Wall Street guys. I've come across scientists, you know, yoga instructors, yogis, you name it. Uh, with the bowl, you name it. The UN. The UN. Oh, I was in a, a room with, they shall remain nameless, but 70 of the top executives of multi-billion international conglomerate, right? 70 of the top executives from this, you know, they have offices all over the world. And here I am with the bowls talking about mindfulness because they need to reach a younger demographic. So this company has been in business for hundreds of years, right? So you name it. I've brought the bowls to the most conservative people and the most people that are just, they're flying so high, I need to have a kite string to pull them down. And number one, you meet them where they're at, right? And number two, the bowls just cut across all of that. Young kids, I've had bowls on kids at camps. I've had, you know, like you said, at Canyon Ranch. And they cut across all ages, all demographics, everything. Mm-hmm. I've not met one person that has run out of the room hating the bowls. Like, they just speak to everyone. Mm-hmm. And spirituality might not speak to this person. Or maybe talk therapy doesn't speak to that one. But I've not encountered this with the bowls. And it's just true. I'll tell my students. If you start this and you're a yoga teacher or fill in the blank, the bowls take over. And it's true. They always, they just take over. You mean like as far as people's preference or the... Yeah, people's practice. It takes over because it really does. It it delves into those pockets of your body, your soul, your spirit that other modalities can't reach. It's vibration. It's the beginning of the universe. The first inklings of the universe was sound. Yeah. was vibration. And so, you know, it just gets to these pockets and these parts of our beings, of our soul suits, that it's like water. It's a universal language. It's a universal solvent, these bowls. It really is. I, I love that you said that. When I play, I lose track of time. I, I completely lose track of time. I could sit and play all day if my legs would allow it. I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, everything kind of goes numb after a while, but it is. And when, you know, you play for others, you play for yourself, as you know, and it's just, it's magical. You know, I want you to explain a little bit about, I'd like to talk about first, like where it came from, right. And how they're made, how they're different. There's a lot of things out there. People play crystal bowls. They play, you know, is it all the same? No, it's all different. You know, it's like, it's sort of like flavors of ice cream, right? I have a spiritual teacher who used to say that all the time. Like, what is your flavor of ice cream? There's different flavors. So the metal bowls have been around since about the time of the Buddha. They have made most of the bowls that we use in, in practice for practitioners are made by the Shakya clan. They've been around since the time of the Buddha. The Buddha was a Shakya, right? That was his clan. And they're the metallurgists of the... Hindu and the Buddhist world, right? That area of the world. And they move around as the politics have changed, you know, through India and Tibet. And, you know, now they're currently resting in Nepal because of politics in the region. And they're hand hammered. All the bowls start out as a metal disc and they're hand hammered with chants. Every single bowl 
that's made in this method has usually a Ome Padme Hum chant or Ome Padme Hum, uh, depending on when they're made. Some are made on the full moon, some are made on the new moon. There's as many different kinds of bowls as there are cars on the road and different qualities and it runs the gamut. That doesn't matter whether it's antique or new or whether it's hand cast in India or it's a ring gong from Japan. It doesn't matter. If you pick up a bowl and you feel it in your heart, you feel it in your soul, you feel it down to your toes, you get goosebumps, that's the bowl for you, period. And don't listen to anything else anyone else says, including myself. Just (laughs) trust yourself, right? Trust yourself. And it's a good bowl. It's like wine. There's no bad wine. (laughs) It's only what you like. And so when they're a practitioner, yeah, there's there's certain bowls and sizes that you can be guided to. But in terms of using something for meditation, bowls are used for three purposes, typically meditation, healing, and raising consciousness. And so when you have, I call them the three legs of the stool, your intention, your integrity, and your intuition. And you use that with any bowl at all. Your intention is a pure intention. Your integrity is in place and you're using your intuition. You're just following your guidance. You can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Beautiful. So it doesn't matter. So if this is something someone wants to do, they have to find a teacher. You know, is that something? Can people just pick them up? Well, I mean, there are certain ways to play, like crystal bowls. You asked about crystal bowls. Crystal bowls are are man-made bowls. It's quartz that's poured into a mold and they have one note, right? And they, you know, sometimes the sound is a little too high for people, right? If you're a practitioner and you're not, you know, necessarily guided on how to play a crystal bowl, it really cuts through all the monkey mind chatter in people's heads. And, you know, people are comforted by the chatter in their heads. You know, you sort of like, uh, you have to kind of ease into it. You know, it's like when you go on a, a date, right? First date within the first 10 minutes, if you ask somebody to marry them, you know, they're out the door. <laughs> so you got to kind of ease into it. And the metal bowls are very grounded. You know, they're metal. There's like seven, depending on the age of the bowl, there's seven to 11 metals in every single bowl. And they're meant to be very grounding, very soothing. So I'm for everybody's like, you know, free will and playing as you play. There are certain techniques though that can really, how do I say, put off some people, you know, especially if you're high pitched or you're banging them too loud or you're next to somebody's ear. So there's, there is a certain technique, but listen, I, I'm bringing you the ingredients, the carrots and the celery and, you know, the potatoes and the onions. I'll give you the ingredients. It's up to you to make soup. Yeah, right? yeah. Everybody's soup's different. Yeah. I went to, I was in uh, Universal Studios <laughs> and went to, like, I don't know, the, you know how they have different parts there. Yeah, um, I love the Harry Potter, man. That yeah. is like, yeah, I can say it. I was at the hotel, I forget the one, but it's the one that you're supposed to be on the Italian Riviera, I think. And I got a massage, but I decided, oh, I'm going to get the sound. They had sound healing. Mm-hmm. And the guy came out, the practitioner. Um, it was man. And I was laying there and the vibe was that he was kind of rushing and kind of like unexpected. And maybe I was the first one asking for this, but I was like, yeah, definitely. I'm down with it. I want to try it. And then he just started banging it. And I stopped him. <laughs> I stopped him, Kath. And I said, listen, 
no offense, and please don't take offense, but I mean, it's not how it's done where I don't know. It was awful. I've never heard anyone play it badly. And that it happened until that day. So. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm attuned to the Tibetan tradition, right? Yeah. Tibetan tradition is like, you know, they have a different layout for the bowls. And, you know, it's like a feather floating to the ground. It's very gentle. I'm generalizing here. But, yeah. you know, Tibetan folks are very, you know, they walk up to you. They're very soft-spoken. You know, it's just where I, you know, I like to hang out. I like to hang out in that room, right? There's some people that like to hang out in where it's more of a Vedic or Hindu tradition where it's like a, you know, to me, that feels like more like a ping pong ball machine, you know, those old ping pong machines or pinball machines, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's much more like shaking up the energy. Like if you're next to a very, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, if you're next to a very high energy, like spiritual teacher, like a Hindu based teacher, and their, their purpose is to shake the you know what out of you right to to get everything up like it's almost like silt of a river and they and they just shake the energy like you know you need to like get out of this or this path that you're on whatever right it's just a different energetic and if you are attuned with that then that's great but the tibetan is just it's a bit different you know it's it's um what did the tibetans did the tibetans always use the bowls for healing. I know that they used, they would put food in them, and some say it was mm-hmm. it was a secret. But was well, it a practice that was shunned. Was it well? Since you know, I mean, you're getting and we're getting into more of a political conversation. But I'll leave it at this. In more recent times, yes, if you see burnt marks in the bottom of a bowl, it means that they had to say that it was a bowl for cooking rather than for any sort of spiritual healing practice because they can get in trouble. So there is a bit of that, you know, it's like what were monks doing, right? At the thousands of years ago, right? There were monks in France. What were the French doing? They were figuring out champagne, right? What were the ones in Germany doing? They were figuring out beer. (laughs) You know, what were they doing in Spain and Italy? They had a lot of time on their hands, monks. You know, they were praying and growing vegetables and beer, you know, beer in Germany and Italy, what were they doing in Tibet? They were laying out bowls. (laughs) That's what they were doing in in Tibet. They weren't necessarily big drinkers, you know, and from the records that we have, you know, that exist. And they were figuring out how to do these different, laying out the bowls in certain patterns. I mean, they figured out a system of fits before a tuner existed. And that's how long these protocols have been passed down in these certain patterns. Um, It's based on a system of fifths, B-E-A-D-G-C-F, which is a very harmonic, natural progression of in music. You know, if you play a piano keyboard, right, you go B-E-A-D-G-C-F. That's exactly the way that the the Tibetans lay out the bowls. It's really beautiful. It's remarkable. Was it only monks who were playing the bowls then at that time? or was Yeah, primarily. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't a lot of lay people. Lay people were super busy. And then it would, it would get out into the general public. You know, like a monk would come and they'd have a back issue or they'd have, you know, a hearing issue. You know, the tingshaws are used to help cure tinnitus or tinnitus, you know, in Tibet. That's the one spiritual instrument they're allowed to use in Tibet, you know, is because it's considered very functional to wake up the monks from naps. If they fall asleep, they'll they'll ding the ting shawls in the temples and and wake them up. 
Yeah. So it's allowed now, meaning with it's allowed right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe you know of any instances where they realized that they were healing. And I would love for you to explain like instances of where you've seen actual healing from the bowls. I mean, you see it with every session, right? That. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like this is a bit of a slippier slope to talk about because yeah. you know how people come to you and they're like, forego traditional Western medicine yeah. and want the bowls. And I, I am not party to that. Sorry. You know, if there's a treatment that is proven to work, you know, remember my friends in the New Age community, doctors are healers too. Nurses are healers too. They take an oath. They're here for us. And the bowls are a great compliment. That being said, you know, I can, I'll speak about my own personal experience. I won't speak about any of my clients and because it's their experience, but I can speak about my own experience, right? And Christine's well aware of this story and these bowls saved my life. Even if it just was, you know, me going on this path for this, you know, so that I can be here, you know, to help others and add some comfort. Uh, you know, I had a mammogram. Uh, true story, true story. I had a mammogram in April. Uh, it was a day that Christine and I were actually at the JCC. You remember that, Christine? I said, I right? I went for my mammogram, right? And the mammogram turned up nothing. It was clear. And there was something on the right side. They thought there was a, an asymmetry, it's called, in the breast for women who don't know this. Your breasts are like mirrors. And if there's one thing on one side that doesn't match the other, they kind of question it. So I went in and I they did a little bit of a sonogram and there was nothing there. It wasn't anything. And I said, well, you know, I put them on the right breast and it sounds fine. And I put it on the left breast and it sounds like a thunk, thunk. Like it's almost like it's cracked. Put it on the right side. Beautiful, bright sound. Left side, thunk, thunk. There's something going on. And so I tell this to my doctor, you know, you go to the doctors these days and... <laughs> You mentioned singing bowls and, you know, I'm sure he was like, (laughs) she was like, "Mm," you know, wasn't too sure about that, but I was really insistent. And then I persisted. I just knew, I knew that something was up because I could hear it in the bowls. Right. So it took me about three months to get someone to listen. I mean, I I went to doctors and I was like, wait a minute, I've got another set of doctors. I've got a gynecologist. So I went to the gynecologist, told him my concern. He had had a mother who had breast cancer. So he understood. Absolutely wonderful man. And he sent me to a specialist because I was insisting on getting an MRI. And finally, the, the doctor relented. After three months, I got the MRI and it showed that I had a stage one extremely aggressive lesion in my left breast. Mm-hmm. And the bowls, the bowls are the ones that detected it. So I of course, I went through surgery, uh, chemotherapy, and radiation mm-hmm. for this. And every single question I got for a year of treatments was, why in the world did you have an MRI after a clear mammogram and ultrasound? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? They were dumbfounded at Memorial Sloan Kettering in Wall Cornell. And I said, because of my bowls, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they would ask again, well, wait a minute, why? Why did you have enough? Because I heard it in my singing bowls. And it's very hard for some folks to wrap their heads around. For me, it it isn't because I had had previous experiences with the bowls, like hearing this in the bowls on other folks, Mm -hmm. you know, if they were holding energy, whether it be 
spiritually, emotionally, mentally, or physically, all of those pop up, right? If -hmm. somebody has a hernia or if somebody is about to pass, you can really hear it in the bowls if you're attuned to it. And, And even if you're not, you can. You've got ears, you can hear. Or if you can feel, you just can. It's beyond explanation. So these bowls saved my life, period. You know, the as you know, I waited the summertime because the doctor's like, listen, with your age and you have no history at all in your family. And, you know, I feel comfortable with waiting the summertime to get this biopsy. And it grew, it doubled in size from June to September, it doubled in size. Yeah. So no joke to definitely get treated and, and use the bowls, put the bowls on your body. You don't need me. You just get a bowl, put it on your body. You can hear, right? as you can attest to, right, Kristen? Well, I can. I think I prefer to have, like, go to you and or, or Allie <laughs> and someone have someone, you know, put the bowls on me because it's, it's such an incredible experience and I miss it so much right now since we, we're not doing that in studio. But in my experience, when I play for the collective and I, and you know, this is my thing, this is what I do. And I, I play generally uh, once a week and it is shocking to me. And it, it, every single time it just gets me. I played just the, um, just last week and a bowl, which will be fine. And this one right now, it was the able and the able is just janky right now. Like the sound was just like, or it's not as strong. And then some days you can play it and it's like, I'll text you or I'll call you and I'll be like, yeah, it's like, it sounds totally different. I just don't get it. And it's picking up on that. And, and now I, you know, I've, I've learned obviously to trust it and to understand, and I know what's going on. And I had played it last week after the young boy was killed by the police mm-hmm. and 13 year old boy. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that. That's for another podcast, but I, I played for the collective for that. And it was almost, it was, it was a somber playing and you can feel it and you just know what the collective is doing. So yeah, you can. I mean, the balls don't lie. They really don't. And then sometimes I have to wonder when I'm playing how much of it is my own energy too, you know, and finding like with the able is this like, you know, a difficult time. Like if you're going through something, I'm not really sure where my voice is and, you know, but a lot of times other people are also going through this as well. And that's, that's my work is Mm -hmm. that, you know, I find that, that if I'm going through it, there's pretty much people out there that are as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can guarantee there are definitely a lot of folks floating in the same boat. Absolutely. And when you send out those bowls, when you play for the collective and you play, you know, you play your bowl in a counterclockwise, it's just like a prayer wheel. You know, the Tibetans send out these, you know, if you've ever seen a prayer wheel, if your listeners are familiar with those vessels that the Tibetans spin, there's like little prayers inside all of those wheels and they spin. That's the idea of prayer flags. When those flap in the wind, there's mantras and mm-hmm. writings on those flags. And when the wind hits it, those are meant to flow all around the world. That's why it's beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely. You can have those made and give them for people for their weddings so, so that when they get married and they can hang them up and the the love that they have for each other, mm-hmm. you can spread those all around the world. You can spread your love. You know, the, this one ceremony that you're sharing with your with your friends and family, your loved ones, you can spread yeah. that all around the world. And that's the idea oh, yeah. of playing like that for the collective. It's beautiful. And 
What I also find interesting and surprising too, but not, are the responses I get and from whom. People that you wouldn't typically think attracted to the bulls are, or that will send me a message and say, thank you so much that, you know, that brought me great healing. My husband, who I secretly know, who believes all this and just is <laughs> <laughs> but it's keeping it's like him. he's like in the back cave he's keeping a secret man he's like he's, batman no he believes it all i know he does <laughs> and he comes out a little bit and you know and I'll, I'll, you know but he's my body that i've been practicing on as we've been locked in and with covid and i've seen it and he now he comes to me and he says i said you know i need to practice i need to send kath you know a video or whatever and he's like okay well i want you to play the one for creativity do that one on me again i want to yeah because it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not yeah. you know it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just goes like you have a vessel vibrating on your body. And whether or not you're spiritually inclined or not, that's very soothing. Warm water in it with, with essential oils, it's soothing. And what's different, I think, do all practices, I know you just mentioned, you lay them on the body. So in, in the mm-hmm. Tibetan sound healing, we put them on the body. And is that normal with all? I, I don't think it is, right? Well, I mean, there are certain schools, again, you know, that, you know, in the school that I learned, and that's where the juice is. I mean, putting bowls on the body, oh. you can't get any better than that. It's just, it's just lovely. The sounds are lovely too, It's but it's the vibration yes. that actually speaks to the, the cells in the body and, and moves energy. It's well, it's, it's like very cheese. efficient at moving energy. And, you know, if you look mm-hmm. at Dr. Moto's experiments, which mm-hmm. you and I have discussed and mm-hmm. his work with water and it's the vibration in our body is how much water are we? We're over 70% or is it higher than that? Yeah, it depends, you know, 70 to 80% um, is what they say. Why wouldn't that work? I don't understand. I don't Mm -hmm. understand how we're so comfortable with getting a sonogram, which is is sound waves, right? Yep. And yet, you know, then people would like question this before we wrap up. I do want to talk about what it's made with. And you said that, you know, they're made and, I have some bowls. I don't know. You have to tell me, but I know they're hundreds of years old, right? They mm-hmm. go back yeah. thousands of years. I found that they're also connected to the planets. Is that true? Like lead is Saturn and 10 mm-hmm. is Jupiter. Is that how it, it was done? Yes. Because, you know, when you get a Tibetan healing, astrology is one of the pieces. They look at astrology. Okay. That's an important piece along with the medicine, you know, and it's part of their medicine, right? So, you know, the bowls were, are connected with, you know, the planets the and, you know, the sun, the moon, the earth. And you can incorporate that energy, especially when you do full moon and new moon and with the power of the, with the bowls, right? So you harness this power. And yeah, some of my students are very inclined to that. They're very, very much into astrology and use the bowls actively with that. I mean, I, I just trust, you know, I'm a little bit more esoteric in that sense. Like I'll grab a bowl and I'm not thinking too much. I, my brain gets more marshmallowy and uh, I just, I work like sort of more like a magnet and move toward a bowl rather than thinking about it. The beginning I was very much thinking about it, but now I don't even think about it. I just, you know, I just move, I move. That's it. Funny. I think yeah. well, I wish I don't have the vast knowledge that you have. 
And so I intuitively grab, but then I'll ask you, <laughs> what does this mean? I say, don't ask, just grab. I just grab. Don't ask, just grab the ball. That's it. Don't exactly even think sure. about it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when yeah. I was playing, you'd be this way. I played for Adam Toledo last week when we're, everyone's going through that. And Kath, if I tell you, it was a freestyle. So I wasn't doing a particular protocol. And each bowl that I was playing, I was called to, and I'd play, and then I would, you know, I was rubbing it, making it sing. And I played the the D bowl, the heart bowl. And mm-hmm. when I was doing the D bowl, huge amounts of police sirens just started blaring outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then of course you don't say it in the midst of your playing, but boy, in your, in your head, I was like, hmm, there are no coincidences. There just really aren't. There really aren't. You're, you're- love, you could feel, I, for me, the interpretation was love that needs to be put into the police force, that remembrance, that love of one another. I don't know. It was amazing. You're right. And you can't replace that experience, right? You know, if somebody told you or, I mean, I agree. It's just like sort of what's coming up in the moment. I'll end with this story. I'll end with one story. Okay. Okay. Because I am part Irish. So I, I like stories. I think it really illustrates things very well. So, you know, I had a rooftop. It was at the JCC. I had this rooftop meditation, right? And I had one of my students who's a lovely student, very, very proficient, right? But things happen. So we're on the roof, gorgeous evening, wind is blowing, beautiful. And I'm on the other side playing and she's putting bowls on bodies, right? And she dropped the bowl on somebody's shoulder, right? Boom, dropped the bowl. So this woman comes up to me at the end, right? Yeah. And she tells me that the student dropped the bowl on her. And I, you know, I'm not like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know me. I'm like, so tell me what happened to your shoulder. And she says, what? And I said, what happened to your shoulder? What's going on with your shoulder? Because to me, that's a magnet when something like that happens, right? I'll talk to the student afterwards, you know, whatever. But these things don't happen by accident. So it turns out a couple of years ago, two years ago, she was jumped by a gang yeah. and she was robbed and she was knocked down to the ground and she dislocated and really hurt that shoulder, right? So I said, well, what would happen if that had happened two years ago? She's like, oh, I would have run from this place. I would have run. I would have felt like I was attacked. And I said, well, how do you feel now? And she's like, well, you know, here I am, I'm talking to you. I was upset by it, but it didn't shatter my world. And I said, well, look at the growth. Look at the place you are from then to now. How has the trauma shifted for you and changed? And look at where you are today. And so, you know, she really took that in and she's like, you're right. I didn't run from the room. I didn't. And I said, exactly. So sometimes these things happen to show you where you are and how much you've grown. And sometimes an accident isn't an accident. So in a very gentle way, she got a nice message and, you know, an abrupt, but a very gentle way. Yeah. Beautiful. Really was, really was beautiful. She was just crying from the growth that she had from this obviously traumatic experience. So, and how, how lucky she to have you there to have the wisdom to bring that up, which is just, it's, it's a beautiful story. And, yeah. And you and I both know, I mean, the bowls are heavy. 
when you're placing them on someone's body, you're being very careful. So I am sure that the practitioner was probably mortified and probably like it almost, I mean, it was, it was meant to happen. That whole thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's get, that's what they mean when spiritual people talk about getting out of the way. Yeah. That's when you get out of the way. That's when you know that there's something bigger. Again, if your intuition, your integrity, and if everything is in place, right, and you're 100% there, which she was, sometimes there are things that happen that are beyond your control and beyond your scope. And, and this was one of those instances that this person needed this to happen to, in order to see something that was a blind spot. And yeah. What a gift. What a gift. And to be able to be in a position to see that, to feel into that, you know, that, you know, you're not a victim or you're not, you get out of your own way. Beautiful. Well, what can, so I'm sure everyone who's listening is like, how can I do this at home? Or how can I find you or experience this? Are you coming out this summer? Like I know you're upstate, used to be able to find you in, in New York City, but what's going on? How can you? Well, I mean, you know, my office is in the city. And with COVID, it's it's not an integrity. You know, for me, like I don't record my bowls. I don't do casts or anything like that. It's yeah. For me, it's a one-on-one modality. And I've always been really rooted with that. Not that I, I don't think there's anything wrong with people doing that, but it's just for me and my experience. Like I like to be one-on-one with people or in a small group or it's just the way I work best, right? So until COVID you know, until we have a better handle on things, yeah. I think it's it's an integrity. I don't feel comfortable gathering a group of people, right, yeah. until we have a better picture of what's going on. And that's just me. So until you can always call me or email me, you can find me on my website, Catherine Hamer, and reach out to me. I'll answer your questions as best I can. I do not do remote sessions. It's just not the time. And now's the time for us to cocoon. Now's the time for us to give the planet a rest. You know, the planet needed a little bit of a rest. And now's the time for us to connect with our families and be in our home and slow down. This is a real slow down time. And that's just the flow that just happened to be arising. (laughs) It's pretty simple to me anyway. You know, if you find yourself suffering, really kind of sit with the suffering for a little bit dive into it. It's a gem. As yeah. my, one of my teachers said, don't cast out these gems. Yeah. Welcome them. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You and I, before we jumped on, I was just discussing that and I know it, it's a pattern in me. It's, I love to do, I need to be helping, you know, and it's different times now. And so I can still do that, but I can also, like you said, it's, it's a time to observe and right. To let the planet heal. And to let ourselves heal in turn. So. Absolutely. Not to diminish anyone who's who's lost someone or who's suffered with COVID or, or long-haul friends, you know, who've, yeah. who've been devastated. You know, I've, I've been touched by losing people as well, you know. Yeah. Well, we lost it's, my mom. You know? Yes, know. exactly. You know, yeah. exactly. But it, it is a time just to kind of cocoon and get quiet. I mean, I don't know if anyone else took the time to notice that the clouds in the sky this past summer. I haven't seen clouds like that in the sky since I was a kid, since I was about seven or eight years old. I have not seen clouds or sunsets like this. And it was time for us to all pause and to really 
reassess and where we want to be and and what's important. And I truly believe that. One more question, which is I ask everyone who's been on, and I'd love to hear your answer on this, is that right. being the change is, it's a diligence, but it's a, you know, it's, it's repetitive. You know, you keep having to push yourself. There's not every day you wake up and there's this, you know, like the experience you had with the woman at the JCC and you had this, mm-hmm. you know, there's some difficulties. As you mentioned, you, you had your own, you were traveling with cancer. We all go through a lot. You have kids, you have young kids, you know, what Catherine continues, what gets you up every single morning to continue to be the change? Oh, you know, this again, from one of my teachers, there's a spiritual teacher called Amanda Moyamai, and she would wake up every single day and she would ask the question, God, what would you have me do today? And that's how she'd start her day every single day. And that's what gets me out of bed, you know, a curiosity. For mm-hmm. me, it's curiosity, whether it's a, what perceived as a good day, a bad day, whatever. For me, it's always the curiosity of what's going to unfold in the next moment. And, and I put my head on the pillow every night and you know, just the hope that I, I led a good day. Yeah. Pretty simple. What's arising in the moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can I be of service today? How can I be of service? What can I do for you? I think of that, about that nearly every morning. Amanda Moyamai. Look her up. Just absolutely beautiful writings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Christine. Have a great day. You too. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are inspired. We grow with supporters and listeners like you. So please share this podcast with your community and follow us on Instagram at bethechange.nyc. And to learn more about our guests and what you can do to be the change, go to our website at www.bethechange.nyc. That's bethechange.nyc. Thank you and be well.